0: Before this episode even starts, I have to say, now that I'm listening to my own intro, it is so perky. And that was very much ADHD me in hyperfocus, creating it and being excited about this music track that I found. And now that I'm listening to it in a calmer state, my brain's like, oh my god, this is embarrassing. But I'm keeping it because I really want to get this podcast out into the world. And this is me practicing not being a perfectionist. So... Slight apologies for how perky this intro is about to be. Let's go. Welcome to ADHD flourishing about living awesomely with autism and ADHD. You deserve recognition for both the challenges and the superpowers of this unique neurotype. Let's celebrate wisdom and support from real life stories and talk strategies to manage the difficulties of day-to-day life so we can move beyond that to thriving and building a sustainable and awesome life if you want to be here you are accepted here and you belong i'm your audi hd host mattia Murray. let's do this welcome to the first episode of audi hd flourishing i wanted to open by talking about what audi hd is and why i'm making a whole podcast about it very very briefly i realized i was probably adhd in around 2015 i sought neuropsych testing a couple years later And since then, most of my six siblings have also been diagnosed and my parents both have ADHD. I started realizing I was autistic in probably 2019, but I wasn't sure. And I had a great therapist who was guiding me in that direction. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, oh yes, being at home in lockdown helped me recognize my sensory overwhelm and the strength of my preferences. And yes, I'm definitely autistic. And then realizing that my dad is also autistic helped me process that. And then I got my official diagnosis at the beginning of 2022, which I don't necessarily recommend for a lot of reasons, but that's for its own episode later. So first let's jump into what ADHD is and why I'm talking about it. On the surface, by definition, it's simply having both autism and ADHD, but until the 1990s in the US, you actually couldn't be diagnosed with both. They were considered mutually exclusive, which seems ridiculous in retrospect, as with a lot of medical things, but it's now estimated that as many as 70% of autistic people may have ADHD, though there's also a lot of overlap with complex PTSD, which looks very similar to ADHD in the brain. So we may not be able to piece those apart completely. And for me, I've really been exploring what they mean, not just as two separate things, but as a combined neurotype for a couple of reasons. Reason one that I see them as a combined neurotype is that at least in my personal experience, I think the combination of the two in some ways made it harder to have them recognized and diagnosed because in a way they almost hid each other because my autistic parts made it so I could show up to some things on time, but it took a lot of anxiety and my ADHD impulsiveness, for example, made me talk to people more, and quote, seem less autistic in some ways. And yeah, those are kind of stereotypes, but I'm starting with some kind of easy examples. So for me, the way my autism and ADHD interacted has been a really interesting and unique experience beyond just each of them separately. And reason two that I see them as a combined neurotype, if you have both, is that they're both about systemic brain function. So combined, it means I have this type of brain, That is extra, extra different from a neurotypical brain. And one of the questions I ask people, if they're considering whether or not they are ADHD, if they're both autistic and ADHD is, does most advice not work for you? Because most advice, even if it's created for neurodivergent people is usually targeted at a specific neurodivergence. And ADHD means that autistic advice or ADHD advice maybe sounds like it should work, but your body reacts against it and doesn't want to do it. Neurotype is a new word to a lot of people, and I actually had trouble finding a succinct definition online, but basically it means a type of brain. So a dyslexic brain, an autistic brain, etc. And then typically neurotypical means a lack of any of those quote disorders or differences. One of the things I really want to spread as general knowledge in this world is the relatively new finding that the autistic brain is different across the entire brain. And they actually found this in autopsies of autistic people. The whole brain looked different. So in theory, it would be possible eventually, maybe, to figure out if someone was autistic based on their actual brain. And one of the exciting things about this is we're now starting to realize autism is not a disorder that a child gets. It's actually a different neurotype that people are born with. You are born autistic, and it's heavily genetic. One of the reasons the autistic brain develops differently in this way is that for whatever reason, there's far less pruning of the neurons in childhood. So if you know anything about babies' brains, they're, we're born with a bunch more neurons, and that's because our brains are very plastic, so we can learn a lot very quickly. So babies can absorb a lot of information. And then as they enter childhood, the brain starts pruning the pathways that it doesn't need. So it may have learned something. And a good example of this is if a baby is exposed to a bunch of different languages, they can pick all of those up equally easily. I I think I'm not claiming that if that's not true, but you know, babies can learn a lot of languages, but then if they're not allowed to use them, if they're put in a situation where they're only allowed to speak one language, they do kind of lose those other languages. And, you know, maybe it makes them easier to learn later in life, who knows, but that's just the way our brains, you know, human brains work is big bunch of neurons, very plastic, and then it gets narrowed down to what we're actually using. But autistic brains don't do that as much. They do way less pruning. And this leads to a couple different things. And probably more that we don't know. The neurons themselves have more branches So there are more diverse connections at the neuronal level and then at the brain wide level over time, this leads to a hyper-connected brain that's very, very active. Autistic brains take in and process a lot more information than non-autistic brains and it's one of the reasons that we get easily overwhelmed by sensory (laughs) sensory input and a lot of things going on around us because our brain is doing more at rest. So we don't get as much experience of rest because our hyperconnected brain and our very active brain is just doing a lot of stuff and we can't turn that off. That hyperconnectedness is one reason that autistic people are more likely to have synesthesia. And interestingly enough, one thing I came across in one study is we're also more likely to have mild hallucinations, which is one reason that many people, including myself, get an incorrect bipolar diagnosis. And in particular, we're likely to have these mild hallucinations that are auditory like i literally hear music sometimes and then also this feeling that someone else is in the room or that someone's touching us and again that's that potentially sensory overactivation or you know hyperconnectedness in the brain having all these neurons with more branches so a lot of autistic kids in particular have what they would describe as paranormal experiences and i've heard that from a lot of people and interestingly I think part of partly because of that, historically in some cultures, our weird experiences led to us being spiritually respected, which I think is so interesting. And the reason I'm talking more about autism in this episode is that it is far more misunderstood and stigmatized than ADHD right now, at least in the cultural moment that I'm in. It's much easier to find good information out there on ADHD. The studies about it tend to be increasingly respectful and kind but autism is still by most people considered a terrifying mental illness that attacks their young child. And I obviously don't see it that way at all. And I totally acknowledge that it is a disability and that it definitely disables me in a lot of ways. So back to this combined neurotype idea, if you have two different developmental conditions that affect the brain quite broadly, it's going to make it very hard for you to fit into the neurotypical world. For example, I personally have a PDA profile, which stands for pathological demand avoidance or the community term persistent drive for autonomy, or as Dr. Megan Neff brilliantly said on her podcast recently, something about it being energy scarcity and my system trying to protect me by conserving energy. But one of the things PDA means is that I have a really strong stubborn streak against authority. And I have the common autistic trait of not really perceiving people in a hierarchical way, So I just don't naturally respect authority for no reason. And then you add in that the impulsivity and attentive stuff from my ADHD, it makes it almost impossible to climb the ladder at a workplace. (laughs) Like I can do a job and be employed and I've done that, but it's very hard for me to pretend to give a shit to the point that I can actually be promoted and do well in a traditional sense. And I'll do a whole episode on PDA soon. And again, I'm bringing that example up just to make this point that there's so much going on in my brain that makes it really hard to fit in to this world. And it makes it very hard to find spaces where I'm genuinely comfortable, safe, cared for, having my needs met and all of that. And that's really hard. If you're listening to this and if this is resonating at all, there's a very good chance that you don't have official medical diagnoses of both ADHD and autism and that's fine. There are many reasons that you probably don't just statistically likely that you didn't get the diagnoses. And you'll hear me say over and over that self-diagnosis is valid, not only because it's inherently valid, but because there are some real downsides to formal diagnosis. For example, I now cannot apply to emigrate to many European countries if I wanted to because of my official autism diagnosis. And if you're autistic, Because of a variety of traits that we tend to have, including having very strong ethics, it can be very, very, very hard to accept that self-diagnosis is truly valid. So you probably question it a lot. I have a few questions to ask you that are obviously not official diagnostic questions, but they've come up a lot in the patterns I've noticed in ADHD people. So if these resonate with you, and especially if they just, you know, that land in your gut in that, oh my God, yes, kind of way, I hereby officially invite you to proceed with learning more about ADHD from the perspective that you very well may likely have this neurotype. Not that you need my permission. I'm obviously being silly. Here are the questions. Do you feel like advice almost never works for you? Not only neurotypical advice, but even advice from autistic or ADHD people? Do you feel like your brain either instantly knows that this advice won't work for you or you try it and then feel really disappointed because you did have a lot of things in common with the person who gave it to you, but somehow it just felt like your body, your brain were not clicking with it and it's just not working. Two, are the internal parts of you always fighting? Do you feel like the things that your body and brain want are often in complete opposition and that it's literally impossible to get your needs met? because different parts of you want such different things to feel safe, regulated, and cared for. Three, have you managed to build some modicum of success in an area through anxiety and adrenaline? This could be school, work, a creative pursuit, relationships. Have you received external validation for doing this thing well, all the while being absolutely terrified that it's all going to fall apart and you have no idea how to handle how your life feels and it all feels extremely precarious and painful at the day-to-day level? Do you feel the need to hide how much you're struggling? And, or if you've disclosed your struggles, have they not been taken seriously because you are perceived as doing okay, even if you're telling people that you need help? Four, is your energy quite cyclical? Where, for example, if you feel like your brain is working, you'll push yourself really, really hard to try to take advantage of your brain working in this moment and then be totally exhausted and need a lot of time to recover. And without adequate recovery time is burnout or burnout-like depression, because they can be very similar. Is that a frequent experience for you? Or do you live in fear of that, of that burnout-type feeling? And I'm going to throw those questions in the show notes so that you can read them as well, because I know that those were really big questions. Obviously, they're not diagnostic, but also I wish more diagnostic tests were written by actual neurodivergent people in a non-pathologizing way. And that's one of the big problems with where we're at right now with both autism and ADHD. They are considered disorders. Disorder is right in the title. It's not being viewed or studied as a neurotype, as a brain's natural way of being. And yes, I've heard some researchers and doctors, you know, making nice clips online saying, It's a natural part of the human diversity of brains, just like we have diversity of bodies and how it's actually a lovely and good thing. But at a larger societal level, our ways of being, our ways of existing and thinking and functioning are quite pathologized and there's very little focus on our strengths. Especially as an autistic person, I've run into so much stigma assuming that of course I'm going to have a terrible quality of life, so why bother trying? But I also know from having a special interest in trauma and trauma healing, that a lot of what are called autistic traits might actually just be trauma because most of us are traumatized. The statistics are absolutely outrageous on the levels of bullying and abuse that we receive compared to holistic non-autistic people and add another layer that our brains appear to be more easily traumatized. So even those smaller events of bullying and neglect often lead to the symptoms of complex PTSD from prolonged unsafety and trauma. And complex PTSD looks almost exactly like ADHD in the brain, so many autistic people have ADHD-like symptoms, even if it's technically from trauma. I should add that I also have complex PTSD, and while a lot of it has significantly healed in my brain, I still have ADHD symptoms, so it is more complex than a simple one-to-one correlation. But before I go off on one of these many tangents in my areas of interest, I want to wrap up by saying that, as you can probably tell, one of my special interests has been the brain and brain functioning. And if you're autistic, ADHD, and or have complex PTSD, which is also considered a neurodivergence, my goal with this podcast is to share the stuff I know that might actually be helpful for you, as opposed to the advice aimed at just one of those neurotypes and certainly more helpful compared to neurotypical ideas or advice. And ultimately, my goal is to empower you to take what works for you and build a life that works for you, no matter what anyone else, including me, might suggest. This is about your sovereignty, your own expertise, in your ways of being. You are the ultimate expert on yourself. And you deserve to have your needs met and to be taken seriously, even if you have trouble making yourself understood. And even if you have trouble understanding your own needs, they can be really confusing. This world was not designed for us. We were not given the language to talk about our experiences. And a lot of us have really weird experiences. I will definitely do an episode about just some of the weird shit my brain has done. But I'm here to help people like me not only survive, but truly flourish in however we want to define that, not based on external markers of success, but self-defined flourishing in a deeply self-supportive way. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited about this project. For now, I don't have a regular release schedule because I'm over on my other podcast, The Longer Road, publishing episodes every Friday. And at the moment, I'm not up for two podcasts on a precise schedule. I know my brain well enough and it'll start to revolt if I do that. If you want to see new episodes as they come up, subscribing on your preferred podcast app is the way to go. One of my goals with this podcast that I hope to do really soon is to have listeners send me stories, ideas, etc. That's not quite set up yet for you to be able to send stuff, but I'll let you know when it is because I want this podcast to be for you and about you. Nothing about us without us. I care about your flourishing in the world, both because you deserve it and because I think the world needs more divergent minds who can show different ways of being outside the toxic norms. We can change the world, and that starts with the little bit of world that we live in. I'm here for you, and we're gonna be okay. We are gonna be okay. Thank you. I hope that sparked some ideas or possibilities for your own journey. If you'd like to go deeper, I invite you to click on the link in the show notes to join my newsletter, where I share more on these topics, point you to community resources, and share cute pictures of animals. I only send it when I have something meaningful to say. A friend put it well. With your newsletter, I feel like the predictability is in the quality, not the quantity, and it feels delightfully magical to have it pop up whenever it feels like it. Plus, you can respond directly to me, which I love. That link is in the show notes, or you can easily find it at my website, matiamare.com, M-A-T-T-I-A-M-A-U-R-E-E dot